We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. Tonight we are looking at the Coljack the Night Stalker episode, The Trevi Collection. Coljack is called to the Trevi Salon during a fashion show. An informer promised him some information, but weird things are happening at the Salon, and the informer dies before he can talk to Coljack. With wind that something is up, Kolchak begins investigating, and what was initially a union boss corruption story about the garment industry turns into a series of bizarre murders. A young model befriends Kolchak, hoping to get publicity, and tells him that Madame Trevi is a witch. Kolchak visits a coven and learns how to defeat the black witch Madame Trevi. But when Kolchak destroys her magical artifacts, it turns out that Madeline is the real witch, and the artifacts were Trevi's way of keeping her in check. Kolchak now must battle a full-functioning black witch to save the day and get his story. Okay, the Trevi, the Trevi collection. What did you think? Well, the fundamental rule, it seems to me, is that white cats belong to Blofeld, black cats belong to witches. I mean, why can't they get this simple thing right? <laughs> well, do you think the cat belonged to her, or, or do you think that, that maybe she was co-opting somebody else's cat? Uh, well, I it might have been somebody else's cat, or they might have been fellow witches anyway, in which case it should have been a black cat. Fair enough. Fair enough. We're re- we're literally recording this on the day after Halloween, so this is uh, <laughs> it is it is a yeah it is a kind of obvious thing to do witches and things, and this is close to having them jump on a broomstick. So <laughs> it is. and in in a way, I'm not I'm not unsympathetic to that approach because it was like series six or seven of the x-files before they started doing you know the bermuda triangle and area 51 and genies that popped out of love uh, lamps when you rubbed them mm. and I, I kind of thought there was a bit of self-confidence when the show kind of went you know early on we we're like oh hey we're above all this but now we're, we're now we're just going to do these things and have fun with them problem with this episode is it's just not that well done again um there I mean, are problems. The, the, for, for example, the big thing in it is I spent a lot of time. So Im, immediately when um, there's that scene when Ariel gets uh, mm-hmm. gets cheesed off with Madeline for some reason. And she's the big deal. So it's clear that Madeline's going to be out on her ear. Madeline immediately sends the cat after her. It's very obvious. And so, you know, Madeline is the witch. And then there's this whole thing where she's trying to throw suspicion onto Madame Trevi. Mm-hmm. And so you're thinking, well, why is she, what, you know, wh- wh- why are they doing that? Why are they, why are they obviously trying to throw suspicion onto Madame Trevi? There must be some elaborate double, triple bluff going, no, no, there's no suspense in this. What are they thinking? 
Uh, hmm. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember back. So there's another tip off that you might not know. Now I know that Dan Curtis is no longer part of this show, mm-hmm. but he was for someone who just came along at this moment on the podcast. Uh, Dan Curtis was the original uh, producer, executive producer, basically the driving force behind the first two Kolchak movies. Now Dan Curtis is also famous for the as the creator of Dark Shadows, the soap opera. And uh, and he's done a number of other uh another things over the year and he is one of those people who's known for having a sort of stable of actors that he likes to bring back and reuse. So if you if you need a share if you're likely to see Claude Akins in a in a Dan Curtis production or you know just these people that show up again and again in his stuff. So, even though he's not part of this, Laura Parker, the actress playing Madeline, is the actress who played Angelique Bouchard, the witch, throughout Dark Shadows. I knew I recognized her name for something. <laughs> not that I'm a Dark Shadows aficionado, but I'm sure I've heard her name. She, she is absolutely the witch in Dark Shadows, the one that, that, that cursed Barnabas to, to his vampiric life. She is the, she, his wife. She is all sorts of things. He's, he's fickle. And, um, so. So everyone watching her, it is going to be, yeah, is going to be thinking she's a witch even before I was thinking she was a witch, which was pretty early on. Quite possibly. Now, when I first watched this, I don't think I caught that, but then I would have been 10, 11, 11. Uh-huh. And I had not seen Dark Shadow, so I didn't, I didn't put the face. But now it's you know, it's like oh the witch, it's the witch. <laughs> so I I was trying to watch this, trying to figure out when you were supposed to figure out that she was the witch, and when you were supposed to be surprised by finding out she was the witch. And I think. I think you're right. It's kind of hard not to put it two and two together with the cat attack at that point. Yeah. It's a little bit of a catty look and then cat goes, and there's no logical reason for Miss Trevi to do that. Of course, if you don't know there's a witch afoot at that point, I mean, the word witch isn't used till later in the episode. Not much later. Not much later, but I, I, I would suppose you could be, you could be forgiven and not knowing that it's a witch. That, that, yeah, one woman disliked the other woman and then something bad happens to her. It could have been, you know, a possessive familiar, uh, aka the, uh, 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 X-Files episode where the young woman has the ghost protector. Mm-hmm. Can't think of that first season. You know, something like that. That's something supernatural that's guiding, not necessarily her directing it directly. I don't know. Because it's Angelique yeah, the witch, okay. you know. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look at the if you look at the description on the DVD covers or the TV guide, this Kolchak comes up against a witch. It's like okay, it, it it's dead given away. It, it's not as bad as the at least they didn't put it in the title. The witch, time. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it it's not it's not too subtle. It's not too subtle. Now, what I would have been far more inclined to believe, appreciate even, is that both Trevi and Madeline were witches. 
Yes. But we never really got we never really got a feeling for what Trevi was doing suppressing Madeline. No. There's there's some stuff in the box. And she we know nothing well about either. what that stuff is. Well, indeed. I mean the 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 only thing we know about that stuff in the box is that it's flammable. Yes. There were some scrolls that had gibberish on them that could have been magic incantations or, you know, symbols. Could it could have been a recipe for chicken soup. We have no way of knowing. Well, they they show a little it, bit it, of it. What, did you read it? I couldn't read it, but I mean you could see a few had symbols instead of where, writing. Well, okay, but where did where did Madame Trevi get them from? Did she write them herself? Did did she go to a white witch or a green witch or any other colour of witch? I, you know, it it right. It I, I I thought she was a witch as well. I mean, like you, I thought you know, there's 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 gonna there's got to be something more to this. It's got to be like sort of a struggling witch hierarchy thing where one witch is trying to take the other witch down or <laughs> something like that. But yeah, yeah no, it, it doesn't rebel turn witch to that way. And it, and it and also, I mean, skipping to the end, stripping a witch of her powers is remarkably easy. Certainly is. All Madame Trevi Blue had to do was to stand out in front of when when Madeline walked down the aisle, all Madame Trevi had to do is go, I accuse you of being a witch. Boom, done. <laughs> in front of all those people. And she's powerless. Which she wouldn't have been able to do if she were a witch herself. You know, there would have been a risk involved. Okay, I think there's in that. Yes. But she's not. So yeah, no there is no logic to that. And so is she trying to use Madeline as a tool? We don't get any well, evidence of that, too, but that would make more sense. Yeah, I've got no. power over you. Initially, she was, because Madeline's, Madeline explains that in that enormous info dump at the end, that they, they were colluding. But oh, I didn't that, catch that. I no, didn't no, she'd, she'd, she'd promised Madame Trevi, you know, success and all the rest of it. But Madame Trevi had become uh, too... She, it, she she thought it was too risky and she'd become too worried about it. and that was that that was why in the end uh madeline attacked her okay see i i interpreted that slightly differently i interpreted that as madeline came to her and said i'm a witch and i can do stuff for you and adam trevi goes here's some incantations to stop you from causing me a problem I, I never really got that they had been partners in crime for a period of time before madame trevi changed her mind and and my question is again why not get rid of her completely as opposed to holding her back unless madame trevi is still trying to use madeline's powers to her benefit even yeah. to this day well that was that was my assumption that she was she was she wanted she wanted her box of whatever it was in order to tip the balance to you know keep keep her own uh to keep the balance of power in her enough in her favor um but obviously she was unable to do that because madeline was able to kill off her or damage her models kill off her models which should have yeah. been able to put madame trevi out of business 
Well, it's certainly, it's certainly. I mean, it's it's counter to her, her in, to Madame Trevi's in, interests if her other models are dying. I mean, it's one thing for Madeline to be successful and everyone else to ride her coattails, um, but it's another thing for her to be scratching their eyes out. There is there is one thing about this this uh, thing that is. It's not even really kind of mentioned in it. Uh, you know, Madeline presents her, you know, what do I want? Fame, fortune, marry somebody rich, become a princess, whatever mm-hmm. happens to be. But just looking at the way she's comporting herself here, where Ariel's like, eh, I'm not working with her. She looks too much like me. And she rips her eyes up. There is going to come a day for Madeline as a model, as a supermodel, where you are no longer possible to be the top dog because of the nature of that industry she's gonna get a little bit well, hang on she's a witch <laughs> well i don't know if witchyhood is immortal beauty i don't know I, I i don't know but it's such an odd mirror mirror on the wall yeah someday snow white's gonna come along mm. um so it's a it's an odd um it's certainly going to be suspicious if someone is you know the top supermodel for 60 consecutive years or something like that people are going to start wondering <clears throat> what's going on there is that got prize a winning goat she raised <laughs> that, <laughs> that must be it yeah you know, i th- i th- i already thought you know why are we learning so much about this character there must be something about her that you know i was thinking yeah she's probably the She's probably the one. So, but I, but I put this out there. It's not the formula. True. There's true. no policeman. No, it is. It is a bit different, and you don't. You don't. It, yeah, you don't. You don't know where it's going from the beginning because you've got this kind of uh, this fashion scenario where, although Madame Trevi says it's the mid-year of the 1970s, it feels pretty much set in sort of 1968, 1967 Avengers land idea <laughs> of what, you know, what fashion is like, uh, particularly that first victim's haircut, I thought, and, and the uh, the trim of his beard. Um, oh, yeah. And then, of, co- then of course, you, you, you think, well, this story is going to be about Autons. There are Autons in this. Yes. And this is, what, one or two years after Spearhead from Space? So I'm thinking there's no way this is a coincidence. Oh, I think it's absolutely it's a coincidence. I don't think... I don't think... You don't think they saw Doctor Who? No. There is no way that anybody in the United States in 75 had seen Doctor Who. Really? Yeah. I don't think... I think the earliest that it came to the United States was 76. And that might have had the autons in it well i'm the i can i can see the wider audience might not have seen them but hollywood no, producers oh, i don't know I, I don't know they they wouldn't they wouldn't have been going I think hey look at this look at this, this quaint in, little british program this would make a great scene for our show we've seen mannequins in twilight zone moving mannequins in twilight zone oh okay so Back to the fifties or early sixties, I forget which it is. So I'm 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 giving uh, Doctor Who too much credit for the Autons, perhaps. Uh, you know, I I it did cross my mind at the thing, but it's just there is um 
how do I put this without sounding off? Well, Hollywood in particular, I can put it on Hollywood. There is, is and was such an arrogance in Hollywood and in the American public that, you know, we fully expect our shows to be shipped all over the world, but that foreign stuff, (laughs) (laughs) you know, back in those days, the only thing we got out of British television was Monty Python. That's probably the earliest widespread British show that ever got seen. They, They just didn't import it. And, um, which you know is a shame, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on that. I'd I'd go with a standard. I'd go with more Twilight Zone leftover. Still, it's kind of effective. It's not nearly as well done as the Autons. I mean, particularly the the scene at the end where the the editing cuts between completely unanimated dummies yeah and you know the backs of barely disguised actors yes and the editing of this episode was terrible yeah in more than one place in in different ways so here's an example there's a scene where kolchak is talking to tony and tony's explaining why he should save his life and and kolchak mangles hot couture to Tony. And he's oh, these people, you live in a different world. And and two or three scenes later, Madame Trevi says haute couture to Coljack, and Coljack goes, huh? Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah, very weird. So he, did, he didn't know the term. So he learned the term there and then used it on Tony. Now, I could see those being in reverse order. And then that would be a joke. Coljack picks up a yeah. new word. Coljack then lords that word over Tony, and he mismangles the pronunciation. Because he didn't really get it. But also there's some day-night-seeming scenes that don't seem to make sense. There's the death of the model and then the trip to Miss Trevi and then back to the scene of the death. And it seems to be that it goes from night to day to night. uh, Yeah, I feel like somebody took the episode after it was written and filmed and then reordered it for some reason. Unsuccessfully. Um so, hacked editing, not very, mm-hmm. and the mannequins weren't very good. In fact, I think at one point it seemed like there was something about that. It wasn't just going from the mannequins to the actors. It was, right, Kolchak lost the bag. Kolchak grabbed the bag. The mannequins tackled him. Kolchak takes the bag off the table again a second time. It's like, well, how did he get back on the table? would have been different it had been on the floor it knocked out of his hand but it wasn't it was back up on the the, the table and just like i don't they weren't they were not paying a lot of attention on this one so i, I yeah that works against it also the director should never have let angelique sorry madeline <laughs> laugh for what five minutes there at the end of the coven scene <laughs> If, if indeed it yeah. could be called laughing. <laughs> I, I, I I thought that was supposed to signify something else, actually. Um, because that's the big, again, I'm expecting there to be a twist. That's the kind of big reveal in the sense that she is a witch. 
which I'm expecting to be some kind of elaborate fake. And so maybe the kind of excessive laughter is indicative of the fact she's possessed somehow. Okay. She's being controlled. Okay. Fair. That's a, that's a, you have to wonder what it's about. And I think. Yeah, well, you do because it's so weird. I thought that it was, well, I thought it was bad directing and bad acting is actually what crossed my mind. It's the cackling coven thing. It's the maniacal, demonic laughing. But it just, she's the only one doing it. I mean, the others are laughing stupidly, but there isn't even a there isn't even a hand wringing like my plans are now in action. <laughs> 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 it's just this: throw your head back and laugh. And to be fair, Laura Parker has never been of the subtlest quality of acting. <laughs> let's say. Um, <laughs> You kind of really can't judge any of them on Dark Shadows for their acting because sure. most of the time they're reading it off of the cue cards because they've just had not had time to rehearse or memorize. I mean, this this is one of the things about that show. It's you're basically mm-hmm. watching a live a live play that's been rehearsed maybe once, <laughs> and so their acting is pretty hard to differentiate between. I'm covering for something I've forgotten. <laughs> but yeah, no, she's a pretty face, but um, but not a great actress. Not one of the greats of our time. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I should um, take a look here at my uh, notes. So I, I, let's talk about the mannequins for a second. What the heck do they represent? I mean, I, I get the whole... Okay, the mannequin is moving around. The mannequin kills you. Are the mannequins supposed to be sentient? Or are the mannequins supposed to be remote viewing for Madeline? Or are, are they... Because they had... Do they, do they have to use their plastic eyes to see? Because... Do they see? Of, I don't know. Do well, they see? If, if Madeline can't him. see... Remember the scene where Mickey's taking the pictures and, and the mannequin right behind him turns to look at him and then he mm-hmm. like, gets a kind of creepy feeling. He looks back and he looks back. She slips her head back in place. Like, I'm back to where I was. Like, yeah, I guess. Did, did it need to look at him or is are they playing with him? Are they toying with him? Well, like a, like a cat and mouse. If it were the cat, you could you could think it was some kind of remote viewing thing. It being a living thing and all. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, so in the coven scene, mm-hmm. there's that thing, what is it, a, a, a biro that yeah. they sort of like a fountain have pen. floating yeah. around? Anyway, some, you know, it's their pen or whatever, that they're, they are levitating, so it's telekinesis. Mm-hmm. And so or I guess trap. you've got a choice. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 controlling. Somehow they are controlling matter, moving it around without touching it. Yes, they're then they're not making the pen sentient and it flapping around the room. Okay, fair. Or are they actually? Now you, now you, 
brought it up uh, well could be um but that's what i was assuming that's what i was assuming whereas whereas with the cat who knows and uh, so yeah so the so with the mannequins i assumed it was more like the the pen it was be they, they were being manipulated and the things with them turning their head were just a bit of you I know guess- for, for dramatic effect yeah, it, it it was nice when I liked the effect, except, I mean, apart from the execution of it, but I like the thing turning to look at him when he's not aware and then turning back. Yeah, I that that sort of creepy something's happening. It is, know, it is. And you, it, could, you could level the, level the same criticism at, at the Autons. Is the nesting consciousness using their eyes to see or does it not need to do that? have some other form of sensory perception i you know i thought the autons did it in human form because it was a convenient hiding place obviously these mannequins are there because there's a ton of them well okay so well yeah but it's just it's just it's just plastic it's just it's it's in that case it's what's there it could be a mannequin it could be a a inflatable chair or what? it could be a a um a daffodil a daffodil, <laughs> a daffodil. Well, I was gonna, well that was what i was going to point or, out you see in the or a wheelie bin spearhead from space we have the autons they take on human form they use you know they have two things going on they're trying to replicate people to replicate people you have to look like people yes and two they're hiding in shop windows all over the country biding their time so okay but if you were plastic and you could be any form you wanted that might not be the best attack and as we see when the master comes in in terror of the autons the first thing he does is he said oh it's an inefficient use of plastic we can you know we can kill with a lot less plastic than that and so i mean that that's kind of i think the master's all about time and motion studies yeah i think i think that's the writer taking an idea that he had for terror of the autons or for spearhead in space and then realizing oh you know hadn't you know when i was writing that cool story i hadn't thought of some other possibilities but here are the here are the possibilities so i i kind of put that up to just you get focused on an idea and then you and you write it up so in this case you're in a fashion place you've got a lot of these mannequins we've had episodes of the twilight zone where the mannequins in the room are actually in the Twilight Zone, if I'm not mistaken, it in the Twilight Zone, the episode was that the mannequin had come to life as a human being and did not know that, and somehow kept going back to this place where the other mannequins who are on the verge of coming alive wanted her back or something. I, I don't remember what it was. It's been a very long time, but you know, it had, had basically that same kind of they move when you're not looking. They they're they're always looking at you because they're they're in the uncanny valley kind of <clears throat> so I, I it's okay it just doesn't it doesn't bear much thinking as to why they did she just put a spell on the mannequins and guard this place <laughs> and then they're just doing whatever they need to 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 protect from rogue photographers i um, guess i guess you you could we just don't know enough about what witches can do in this in in the Kolchak Kolchak universe which which is Madeline doesn't seem to be the brightest bulb either 
So no. maybe that's you know, fair. maybe that's part that's of fair. it. <laughs> Her plans aren't really all that diabolically mastermind. They're just sort of I, I'm a kid and I have these powers and I'm and basically I think she's probably cruel. But but there you know there is there's the mention of uh, the Salem witch trials and all of that. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I guess in I guess that's where some of the Kolchak universe inspiration is coming from. I don't know a lot about the Salem witch trials, other than you know the Crucible, really. But that, that's that's that big... in a sense is about is about the power of. The, the the power that that young women can have can exercise um yes without necessarily <laughs> yeah uh, well there's a there's a, there's with, a without without ne- without necessarily understanding um understanding the power that they have i mean in that case it's it's through making accusations or whatever but in 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 this she wants to be a model or whatever and she knows she has these powers but she doesn't really think about any other implications of what that means she just thinks about how she wants to be able to do what she wants she's not strategic about it it might be a terrible idea to kill ariel because clearly it's bringing the house of trevi which she has decided is, is her her route to fame uh, it, it it brings it into um disrepute or brings it under suspicion and ultimately that's got to be a bad thing for her right. but her reaction is a kind of it's a knee-jerk reaction ariel's in her way so get rid of her honestly being you know uh so which is let's let's use the traditional definition um some woman who's in league with the devil that the the devil has given her powers this is no different mm-hmm. than the devil's platform and yes. he had a much yes. better plan going for him if he wanted power and he wanted fame and he wanted wealth not saying it was a great one but you know this one is I'm going to be big in the fashion industry as a model. She could have she could have gotten fame and fortune in any hundreds of ways with her magical powers. And I don't know. <laughs> like, but she, you know, suppose she really wanted to be a model. I suppose. I suppose. But that could be an end in itself. I guess. Except she wanted to marry somebody. In the end, become a princess. So yeah, it's so it, it kind does, of it seems it's very it's very childish. It's a very child. It's a very you know teenager kind of mm-hmm. thing. Well, I'd like to be beautiful and rich and famous and a princess and uh, yeah. Okay, so is Kolchak the worst reporter ever in this episode? Discuss pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I I did think it was it was a low point of of what we've seen of uh, Kolchak's uh, investigative technique when in the coven, and they're they're actually they're they're undertaking some kind of 
paranormal activity, clearly, levitating the whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, and all he does is run away. In fact, not, not only that, he, he not only lacks the curiosity to stay somehow and, and see what's going on and, and uncover this, he also lacks the ethics not to nick his uh, nominal contribution on his way out. Yeah, he, he, well, there's that. Um, I mean, I, I suppose he's in there, there's a thing flying around, and they're all telling him to get out, take the stuff and go. So I, I can kind of see him running out at that point. But if they're, telling, if they're telling him to get out and there's no paranormal activity going on, that's one thing. But when there is an obvious paranormal phenomenon, yeah, surely... You know, even if he if he runs out and and tries to spy from somewhere outside or whatever, yeah, it, yeah it's not it's not clear that he does anything except just turn tail when this happens. Okay, I'll give it that. We so what's so what's so what's the point? What's the point of him investigating these paranormal phenomenon if? At, at the the first sign of danger, and we, he hasn't done this in the past. But if, if at the first sign of danger, he runs away. And normally, at the first sign of danger, he goes and gets himself a big mallet and a stake. But um, but not here. Yeah, yeah. Also, he's he's at his worst with Madeline early. He's trying to get a story inside this organization, and he's got somebody who is interested in talking to him admittedly she's interested in talking to him about herself Mm -hmm. but is incapable of even pretending to being paying attention to her (laughs) i mean it's terrible and he does it again with tony later on when tony is talking to him about this story that could get him killed all he had to do was acknowledge what tony was saying to him and then leave and go do what he wanted but he couldn't i i i didn't look at this writer versus who had done other episodes but i feel like this is kolchak's worst worst episode in terms of his character and also he's very i mean they're trying to they're trying to set him down away from the high fashion world but in the past kolchak has demonstrated hidden depths of knowledge about things you wouldn't expect, such as when he was talking about the, the the guru, and he was able to cite off a number of books on transcendental meditation. Yeah, and yet here he seems to be completely and utterly clueless about, uh, you know, at a level more clueless than I am about high fashion, and I don't know anything about it. But at <laughs> least I've seen it on TV. He seems to be. You know, just absolutely incapable of looking outside of this sort of almost very blue collar kind of uh, outlook. And I, yeah, not not is not a great episode for him at any at any level. Why did he? Why did Madeline kill Melody but not Ariel? Ariel, she just mangled. Melody, she killed. No idea. She could have scalded her, not to death, but she could have scalded her into a horrible, disfigured mess like Madeline. You know, ruin a model's career right there, it seems. Yeah. Um, 
Also, how how do they? Why? I'm not even sure. Well, what is when Kolchak went to the Trevi collection? I got the impression he had no, or the Trevi salon, that he had no idea what his informant wanted to talk to him about. That his informant yeah. said, "Hey, I've got some stuff for you. Uh, you'll want." So Kolchak goes along. We get there. The informant is, has called Kolchak, but is not interested in talking to Kolchak. Instead, the informant is up doing industrial espionage. And then we find out later on that the information that the informant wanted to give Kolchak was not an industrial espionage thing. It was a union boss corruption in the garment industry thing. And then we have that whole subplot of the mob threatening him to get the information, which, as far as I can tell, has absolutely nothing to do with Trevi or Trevi Salon at all. Other than it, yeah. Other, Other than, than that was being, where they met, yeah. Well, and and that it's and that it's garments, and so presumably it it could be in the manufacture of Trevi clothing. Yes, uh, potentially, but it but just. It, it, it's, t- it's tangential to the actual paranormal plot. I think that the whole thing was done just to arbitrate how long his deadline was. Which You, you mean know, purely for that scene? Ju- purely for that scene. Purely for that scene. For that scene and the following up one where, where um, Vincenzo asked him, 60 hours, how did you get that number? And he said, arbitration. It was... Mm. <laughs> but... <laughs> I enjoyed it. I laughed. But at the same time, I'm like, where did it go? And and they blow it off. And, I, oh, all right, let's finish this Carl Kolchak reporter story. So he doesn't have the information. He doesn't even know what the information is. The mob thinks he does. The mob's threatening to kill him. Vincenzo gives him that line about, well, risk is part of being a reporter. It goes with the high salary, which is in a an amusing joke in the in the, the reporter game. Colt, and then Vincenzo tells him to get that information. Why? To save his life? Is that what we're inferring? To turn it over to them so that he can save his life? Couldn't quite tell what Vincenzo wanted him to do with that information, but he gets it. Did it did seem to be out of concern for Carl. Yeah, he did get the information at the end because Madeline just showed him a magic trick and said, here, I can see, I can help you. The thing you're looking for is in a shoebox, in a resting home, in a rest home, and wherever. Which it turns out to be true later on. And in the end of the episode, Kolchak says, they ran the story. So he didn't turn the information over. He published. So he was... You think the mob but, would kill but, him? but none of it none of it makes any sense if if he's got if he's got the information then he already knows what he's looking for so the only value the only value in it is evidence in order to stand up the story and if he knows what the story is he can carry on looking for some other way to stand it up right that's yep that's true if, you know they, they he gives them back whatever it is now they they think he's got it that's what they think yep so they think that he already knows what's going on. Yes. So if they're going to intimidate him at all, the only reason realistically for them to intimidate him is to prevent him from sharing the, the information and running the story at all. It doesn't particularly matter what he does 
with the evidence. That's what they need to do. Their other option is to kill him before he does anything with the information because that's the only way to stop the Mm -hmm. information from spreading. If, on the other hand, he doesn't have anything at this point, telling him all this stuff with deadlines or whatever also doesn't make any sense because it only serves to illustrate to him how important the information that he hasn't got is. So he's got a reason to look for it. And, of course, if Kolchak figures out any of this, so, you know, either... Um, they think I've got the information, in which case my life is in danger because they will kill me to stop me publishing it. So so um, there's one thing. Or if I had the information, I then have two choices. I either, I either give it back, in which case there's still a good reason for them to kill me, or I publish it, in which case there is no longer any reason for them to kill me other than retribution or to make an example. Make an example, yeah. But it... You know, it's that's very difficult with a journalist, high-profile figure who's just published a story on it because clearly then you're going to have other journalists, you're going to have law enforcement who are going to make the connection and are going to make your life very difficult. So assuming these mobsters are businessmen, then perhaps once the story is published, the heat is off. So nothing any of them do, Kolchak or the mobsters, actually makes any sense. And the whole arbitration thing, though it may be a bit of a joke is kind of nothing more than that there's no there's no you know a, a funnier joke would have been if both sides were serious you know there's there's arbitration going on both sides were serious about it but neither side has any has any real stakes in this because it doesn't mean anything and this is not the first time we've seen artificial pressure being put on Kolchak in an episode, danger. I mean, there doesn't really seem to be a lot of danger in the episode for him as we go along. So the mob guys coming in give it a little bit of uh, get a little bit of threat. We saw this kind of with the gypsies that he didn't pay back right away in the uh, in Firefall, mm-hmm. and even that was badly done. We went from oh, it's going to cost you some money to oh they're going to beat you up. In in no time at all. So it, it escalated into just some thugs running around that Kolchak should be taken care of, and he doesn't. So uh, I wonder if it's the same writer. Well, that'd be worth looking. That would be interesting if it was. It, it would be. I mean, I have nothing against there being a side story. I have nothing against the mob story being a genuine red herring and not connected, you know, mm-hmm. that... that, that Madeline doesn't know the mobsters and the mobsters don't know Madeline and you know it's purely coincidental this thing comes about it's just that the story doesn't make any sense yes the story does not make a whole lot of sense um in the long run okay uh but whoever the writer was I appreciated a lot of his lines so there was a lot of there were some good lines not much of a nominal contribution will be appreciated. Oh yeah, sorry. Not that nominal. Yeah, that was a beauty. I love that one. Yeah. Um, I stepped on you there, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I stepped on you. Um, big business and free speech is what this country is about. Kolchak's response: <laughs> I agree about the free speech. Um, yeah. Wow, what a progressive idea there. 
Um, learning about Tony's brother Rocco in the Venetian blind business. Oh, yeah. I wonder if we'll hear about Rocco again. <sighs> I don't remember. I don't remember. Or even the Venetian blind business, the family Venetian blind business. Um, when she tells him she's going to. Uh, she could get rid of his enemies or she could deal with his enemies. Is he going to need a controlling interest in a doll factory for that? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was, it was entertaining from the words that were coming out of people's mouths kind of thing, but it was not a particularly fantastic episode. And I'll tell you, when I was a kid, when I saw this episode and he dunks her head in the tank, which I thought was water. Yes. And she comes out and her hair has gone all weird looking. I thought that was, that was the effect of trying to drown a witch, but I realize now that must be bluing in that, in that tank. Okay. So, cause what's bluing? Cause I, cause here I, I'm, I'm wondering it's a white why it agent. is that they, for fabrics okay okay because i was i was wondering why they've got a tank of whatever it is just sitting around i didn't think that's how you used bluing um i thought bluing was a thing because it's it's an old time it's an old time product that like my grandmother would use and you'd put it in the wash and i guess i guess it has a slight blue look to it and it's a it's a it has the effect of making things whiter. It gives the illusion mm-hmm. of them being whiter by shifting the color a little bit. And so yeah. you get shinier, brighter, brighter things. And I think it has uses for other things. I think, I think old ladies used to use it for their hair, the blue gray hair kind of thing. But, okay. Um, but that's, uh, fa- that's fair enough. So, because it seemed to me like they just stuck a barrel of water in the offices because they'd set this thing up that the only way to test whether someone is a witch is whether they can survive underwater <laughs> and which you know which is which is yep we we know that we know that about witches that that is true you can you can uh if 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 someone is a witch you can build a bridge or if out. someone is suspected of a witch you you can g- give them a fair trial by checking if they drown and if they drown that's fine they're not a witch Fair enough. They're we'll innocent let them and they get to go to heaven. And if they don't drown, we'll pull them out and burn them. <clears throat> so you can't say fairer than that. I, I but completely. obviously, the difficulty is when you're in the when you're in the offices of the House of Trevi. There's probably not uh, not Rain a barrels. great number of obvious sources of water in sufficient quantities that you can try and drown your suspected witch. So it did just seem a bit convenient that there was a barrel hanging around but what you've what you've explained makes some sense okay except i cannot imagine why you would need a barrel of bluing sitting around <laughs> i don't think well you're i take can't the imagine that either just dip them in it i don't think it works that way so i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> I, if if someone tells me it works that way i can't really argue with it i mean obviously i didn't realize it was bluing and i just thought they'd stuck it in there to help with the plot so maybe some sort of explanation for us fashion ignoramai would have been uh, sensible um but supposing it's in there to help with the plot let's give them a bit of benefit of the doubt here 
let's say it's a, it is a fabric thing. Whatever that material was, it's something we'll, to do with fabrics, yeah. whether it's bleach or we'll say it's or a, We'll say it's a legitimate fabric thing that they needed to have in a barrel in their with the place glasses. of stuff. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and that just happened to... Um, that happened to coincidentally be where this showdown between Kolchak and the witch occurs. The witch that Kolchak now knows with absolute certainty is a witch. And therefore, the one thing that won't have any effect on her is drowning because witches can survive underwater. Good point. So <laughs> he then tries to drown her. Did I... Did he try to drown her there? <laughs> that was well, what was he doing? What I, was he doing? It wasn't just one final test, for goodness' sake, was it? I, I okay. Fair, it was like they set this thing enough. up. We've got to pay it off, but completely we, the, fair enough. What does it? What it, does it accomplish? He doesn't even hold her under long enough to find out if she's going to drown. No, I mean, but he I already knows she's not going to drown. So. She because she's a witch. It's uh, yeah. She says she's a witch. She casts magic spells. She does stuff. I mean, yeah, she's a witch. I think. think I mean, I, mean I can see it would, be, it would be pretty horrific stuff, uh, particularly, you know, 1975 and all that, to have a character held underwater for long enough for them to drown. So I can see why your Mary Whitehouse equivalents or whatever would have raised hell if they had done that in a scene. But it would have had to have been earlier in the episode anyway, when he wasn't sure that she was a witch. And if, and if even if he wasn't sure that she was a witch, I mean, would would even Kolchak have risked drowning someone innocent to test that out? Yeah, especially I mean, when the cure for witchcraft is so benign. Well, yes, it is in this. There's, there's, there's less of the there's less of the being burnt on a pyre, is there? I mean, it removed her powers, and that's really all you needed to do with a witch. Yep, you don't need yep. to burn them. Just just take their power away from them. Um, don't even need a trial. Now the question is: Do you have to know they're a witch before you can accuse them of being a witch? Possibly, possibly, because. Otherwise, you but does just that run have, around does that and have accuse to be the, everyone of being a witch. Just to be on the safe side, just to be on like the safe chicken side. soup. Yeah. <laughs> Another great line. <laughs> and I thought the doctor but, was... That was a pretty... Uh, he took Kolchak's ramblings very... <laughs> in his stride. Like yes, he, he wasn't a particularly sceptical medic, in my opinion. I gotta find that doll and cut the thing. It couldn't hurt. <laughs> well, it's 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 yes, it's a standard line taken by most quacks, um, you know, when cornered, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know that I have anything else. Um, oh, I do. All, I do. all 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 I'm all I'm all I've got is that you know at the end that line. Oh, I agree with you. Some of the lines in this have been good, but she won't even be pretty anymore. What? Yeah, that's. Oh dear. <laughs> well, she didn't have much going for her apart from the witchcraft and the pretty to begin with, and the prize goat, which should have been the tip-off. Goats, witches, covens. I mean, 
That should have been the tip-off earliest in the episode. I'm really surprised when he got – the one that got me was – so they – they he pushed her in the – let's call it bluing. Pushed her face into the bluing and she comes up looking unpleasant Blue. and <laughs> – at best. But she looks okay. Like So as a kid, I thought she came up in a, and that was a transformation that happened. But subsequently looking at it, I realized that's the effect. It's not water. It's something chemical that she's been pushed into that's caused this look. And she runs out. And then once they're outside, he accuses her of being a witch. And there's like one brief momentary shot of her face where it's now breaking out in boils all over her face. You can barely yeah. see it because it's dark. And then that's it. And then and then later on, he says the bit where the pox that were on her face hasn't been seen in over 500 years, which is an interesting how they figured that out. I don't know, but it's another story. But it seemed like such a waste that they didn't, you could easily miss that. In fact, I'm sure I did miss it until I watched it after watching it one time where they said, oh, the pox on her face. I'm like, what pox on her face? And I, I went back to watch the moment where they dunked her again, and it wasn't there. And then it was after he accused her. I'm like, oh, yeah, wouldn't have, never would have seen it. So no payoff there in terms of, um, you know, but you have to have a warty witch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what happens is they get accused and you get the warts. It's the it's the thing. Anyway. All right. Well, in that case, Simon, thank you for joining me for this episode. Pleasure, as always. And I think uh, next time, if I'm not mistaken, it is Chopper. The episode is called Chopper. Mm-hmm. Draw from that what conclusions you will. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol, or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. <laughs>